preventing hunters from hunting migratory birds with more than three rounds in the gun. They claim that this means ducks have more protection than children, except it's already illegal to hunt children entirely. I looked it up. It's definitely not legal. <laughs> but hunting birds is legal, so I think what they said here isn't true. It also says Biden will enact legislation to ban what they call assault weapons. I think it's interesting that it says enact and not introduce. This is based on the assumption that they will make it through the legislature. It also says the bans will prevent manufacturers from circumventing the law by making minor changes that don't limit the weapon's lethality. As if banning pistol braces or bullet buttons will somehow magically fix the downward spiral of mental health in our country. The next section says they want to regulate the possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. Oh boy. For those that aren't aware, things like machine guns, silencers, and short-barreled rifles, among other things, are under the NFA and require a $200 tax stamp to register them. If we extrapolate based on the information we covered recently about how many of what they call assault weapons exist, that would mean nearly $3 billion in tax revenue, assuming they all got registered, which they absolutely would not. This section is one that has me the most concerned, I think. I'm not sure how easy it would be for them to amend the NFA, but it's concerning for sure. Continuing along, the next section says that they want to buy back assault weapons and high-capacity magazines already in our communities. This term, buy back, is a fallacy to begin with because you can't buy back something you never owned. And on top of that, the U.S. government couldn't pass a background check if they tried. They say register or sell them to the government. That sounds like an attempt at disarmament, which is exactly why we would need the guns. But what do I know, right? They also say they want to reduce stockpiling of weapons. This basically means they want to limit how many guns you can buy per month to one. A right delayed is a right denied. This is not going to fly, if you ask me. The lunacy continues. They want to keep guns out of dangerous hands, which by itself is not a bad statement. I don't think it's unreasonable to want to keep guns out of dangerous hands, except when the definition of dangerous is changed and the methods for determining that is a blatant stomp on freedom. How do they want to pull this off? <laughs> you guys will love this part. They want to require background checks for all gun sales. Going farther into it, they say that they will close the gun show and online sales loophole as if somewhere in the u.s people are buying guns online and they aren't being sent to a dealer that just doesn't happen the only evidence to the contrary is based on screw-ups from shipping companies that's the only way that would end up in the wrong spot not only that but the so-called gun show loophole has never been proven as a source of a significant number of guns from crimes that would indicate that the fear of the gun show loophole is completely unfounded Digging deeper into this section reveals loopholes I've never heard of, like the boyfriend loophole, whatever the hell that is. I suspect that is a straw purchase issue, which is, again, already illegal. They also point out that they want to reinstate the power to the Social Security Administration to screw with people's gun rights. And yet, 
more loopholes that don't exist are being mentioned here. The hate crime loophole, that's a new one for me. They say they want to stop this by enacting legislation that would prohibit an individual convicted of a misdemeanor hate crime or received enhanced sentence for a misdemeanor because of a hate crime or bias in its commission from purchasing a firearm. That's their wording. I won't get into how much BS I think the term hate crime creates. Beyond that, they want to close another new loophole called the Charleston loophole. This allows people to complete a firearms purchase if their background check is not completed within three business days. They want to extend that time frame to 10 days. What's interesting about that is they don't want to fix the government ineptitude, but rather punish a law-abiding citizen instead. But wait, there's even more. They want to close the fugitive from justice loophole. Okay, seriously, you can't just pick a term and then add loophole to the end of it. This is, this is really silly. They say this one is because of the Trump administration deleting records of half a million fugitives from justice who are prohibited from buying guns from the background check system. The link to their evidence actually goes to a 2017 article on Gifford's Law Center website. That's very anti-gun. They say the FBI purged 500,000 records and they make it sound like they did this willy-nilly, but what actually happened is that they narrowed the definition of fugitive from justice and half a million people regained a little bit of freedom because of it. Moving forward still, yes, there's a lot more to cover here. You guys good? Take a breath. Okay, let's go. They also want to end the online sale of firearms and ammunition. Their source for this goes to March for Our Lives, which is a very anti-gun group that stands on the fear of an inanimate object being more important than the rights of millions. The next part says they want to create an effective program to ensure individuals who become prohibited from possessing firearms relinquish their weapons. According to this section, we lack the tools necessary to ensure when someone becomes newly prohibited that they relinquish their guns. The plan here is to direct ATF and FBI to head this up. What's interesting to me is that this requires them knowing when someone possesses guns in the first place. I bet this would be a stepping stone to a required National Registry of Firearms. I can just see it coming. Moving along, this, this next section just pisses me off. They want to incentivize extreme risk or red flag laws. For those living under a rock, these horrific laws enable family members or law enforcement officials to tell on you when you are in times of crisis and have you stripped of your right to bear arms. They want to pay states money to adopt these laws. That right there is just messed up. The right way to handle this is through a pro-freedom option like hold my guns, but that's a topic for another video. They also want to incentivize gun licensing programs on a state level. This would require folks to get a license prior to purchasing a gun. So basically you would need a license to exercise a constitutional right. Yes, this is all, all of this stuff is what they say they want to do. And rounding out this section, they want to adequately fund the background check system. This again would pay states money for doing what they're already supposed to be doing with reporting information to the background check system. There's another subsection titled addressing the deadly combination of guns and domestic violence. Among that section is a bunch of language laced with slander against the Second Amendment. They also say they want to push through the Violence Against 
Women Reauthorization Act of 2019, which is a giant can of worms that I just am not going to open here. It would take forever to explain all of that. In fact, I'm going to let you go to the site to read this part of it on your own because there's just way more stuff that we need to cover here that's more focused on guns. The next section beyond that... <laughs> says they want to make sure that firearms owners take on the responsibility of ensuring their weapons are used safely. What does this mean? They want to put America on the path to ensuring 100% of firearms sold in America are smart guns. Nothing could go wrong there. Nothing at all. They also want to hold adults accountable for giving minors access to firearms. This section is screwed up because they want to hold people liable of directly or negligently giving a minor access to a firearm, regardless of whether or not the minor actually gains possession of the firearm. How would one assess a situation like that unless they were given control of how guns are stored in the home and then access to the home? Oh, that's what they say next. They want to control how you store your guns. That means they want to put steps in the way of you defending yourself at home. The train to dumb land keeps rolling with empowering law enforcement to effectively enforce our gun laws. In this section, they say they're highly prioritizing prosecution of straw purchasers, which is hilarious because they barely prosecute anyone for this currently, even though it's definitely illegal. They also want to notify law enforcement when a potential firearms purchase fails a background check. So if you get denied, regardless of whether or not it's a legit denial, the cops could come bother you. They also want to require firearms owners to report if their weapon is lost or stolen and it keeps going and going they want to stop what they call ghost guns so this would somehow legislate what you print on your 3d printer at home and control guns that aren't legally guns even though it's completely within your rights to make your own guns for personal use they want you to pass a background check in order to download the code to print a gun or buy an 80 percent kit they want to reform, fund, and empower the DOJ to enforce our gun laws. This means they want to restructure the ATF and give them tons of money to harass gun shops and bully people that get in their way. And rounding out this section, they want the ATF to issue an annual report on firearms trafficking. I guess that one is hilarious because it would need to include the ATF sending guns to the cartels, to be accurate. What's up with that, ATF? We'll skip over the section that talks about urban gun violence interventions in order to keep this video a little bit shorter and cover the last three keys here. The plan says they want to dedicate the brightest scientific minds to solving the gun violence public health epidemic. That statement is predicated on the fact that science could solve this supposed epidemic that doesn't actually exist. They basically go on to say that they will use federal funding to find out how to enact more gun control, your tax dollars for gun control. Beyond that, they want to prohibit the use of federal funding to arm and train teachers to discharge firearms. So they don't want teachers to be able to defend themselves or the class full of kids. And rounding us out, they want to address the epidemic. Man, they, they're just laying that word on here. They want to address the epidemic of suicides by firearms. They claim that this could be impacted by policies like red flag laws or storage requirements. So again, blame the inanimate object instead of trying to address the actual mental health struggles that people face every day. Can we just like push therapists instead of gun control? That'd be rad. Okay, let's take a deep breath together. 
Woosa. Woosa. I know that was an absolute mountain of stuff to digest. Now, a lot of this stuff would require serious coordination from the legislative and executive branches of our government, and that is not often something that happens. Our government moves like a turtle. Not only that, but some of these suggestions have potential to cause incredible amounts of backlash. The thing that concerns me most of all this is the threat of using executive action to push this through. Kamala Harris has already suggested that this will happen, so I believe it could be a matter of time before this is just looking us right in the face. I have to hear your thoughts on this, guys. This is easily one of the biggest threats we face as gun owners in a long time, and I want to know what is on your mind and which parts of these points that I've covered, there's a lot that I've covered, which points that have you most concerned? That being said, please sound off in the comment section below with your thoughts. And if you enjoyed this video and you think we've earned it, please hit the like button. If you want to see more gun news videos every single week, get subscribed. It'd be great to have you back. And as always, thank you all for watching. We'll see you soon. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to go through uh, what I found on the gun control um, So Kamala Harris has supported keeping violent alien felons in this country. What would happen if that ever became law? And it might. Democrats could take total control of everything in like a month. Well, you need to defend yourself, of course. You, you do now. But Kamala Harris is also dead set on preventing you from defending yourself. That's why she's advocated for gun confiscation. She calls it a buyback. It's confiscation. Do you believe in the mandatory buyback of quote-unquote assault weapons? I do believe that we need to do buybacks, and I'll tell you why. They are weapons of war with no place on the streets of a civil society. I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws, and if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. What's an assault weapon exactly? No one can define it, so let's just put a very fine point on it. It's the gun in your closet. It's what you use to shoot targets or deer. It's the gun that rural America buys more than any other. This will do nothing to lower the murder rate. It will do everything to disarm people who don't vote for Joe Biden. Let's get specific. If you have a handgun with a 15 round magazine, as the most popular handgun in America has, it comes stock, it's called a Glock, then Kamala Harris will force you to register it with the government. If you don't, you're committing a felony. You're going to need to pay 200 bucks to do that for every magazine. She wants to totally ban the online sales of guns, ammunition, and gun parts. Most ammo in this country is sold over the internet. By the way, to law enforcement as well. The list goes on and on and on. Where's the NRA? <laughs> We're Republicans. Who's going to stop the Harris-Biden administration from doing this by executive order? Colleen Noir has thought a lot about this. He's a Second Amendment activist. He joins us tonight. Colleen thanks so much for coming on. I mean, th me, this has received almost no attention, but at a time when the crime rate is spiking and the, it's, the trajectory seems you know, like it's just getting steeper, this will mean that people who don't commit crimes, who are law-abiding, many of them veterans, won't be able to defend themselves. Why is nobody talking about this? Well, that's because Kamala is a master of euphemisms. 
Um, she really doesn't stand for much of anything, which actually makes her more dangerous than somebody who's actually anti-gun because she's willing to do any and everything to maintain power. But what she likes to do is say little soft words like um, buyback programs or say things like um, euphemistic words like especially online, buying guns online, for instance. She likes to talk about it in such a way where it seems like I can just order a gun online the same way I can order toilet paper on Amazon and it'll just show up at my door. And, and she uses the ignorance of the masses to push this agenda, but she does it very softly because, again, she doesn't really stand for anything. And so what ends up happening is it kind of flies under the radar and nobody really notices it. And then, of course, the mainstream media doesn't really pick up on it or talk about it either. And so then she just has to skate on by and nobody holds her to the fire. What she stands for is doing the bidding of the billionaire class. And when the richest people in the world, Mike Bloomberg, has decided that he can have bodyguards and you can't. You can't defend yourself. Why does no one point out that one guy, a billionaire, is nullifying the Second Amendment to the Bill of Rights? You know, the question has been baffling me for a couple years now because he's pretty blatant about it. He's, pretty, yes. he's even said it with his own mouth how he pretty much buys politicians to do his bidding. He'd said it during, uh, during the last debates when he was running for president. But for some reason, we all just seemingly tend to ignore it. And he's actually put more money behind pushing to undermine the Second Amendment than all of the, the gun groups collectively combined. So that should tell people everything they need to know about what this man's intentions are, but for some reason, we just kind of let him do it. Yeah, a country ruled by an oligarchy doesn't care about the population. This is what we're getting. Colleen Noir, great to see you tonight. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Tucker. Okay. I'm just going to just keep going through the ones that I found. I'm really... Um, upset <laughs> we were never supposed to give up our guns. hey everybody how's it going it's a daily shooter and if you didn't think 2020 could get any worse go ahead and move to california and live under gavin newsom they'll make it worse for you today we're going to talk about some new gun bills that gavin newsom recently signed that are going to completely change the second amendment for the state of california this channel is proud to be supported by the Firearms Policy Coalition. Make sure you check that link in the description box, become a member, and donate when you can. Because when you hear something bad that's happened to the Second Amendment, guaranteed these guys are going to be the ones that are going to step up to fight it. So become a member, get that card, and join the fight to keep our rights intact. Also, by the USCCA. The USCCA is one membership card that you need to have. Because if you ever use a firearm to defend yourself, the USCCA is just one phone call away, and they will be there to defend you. They will stick with you, and they will take care of you through the entire process until you prove your innocence. So go ahead and check the links in the description box below. Support both of those companies because they're both supporting you. Now, I lived in California for about 43 years, and in those 43 years, I saw a lot of gun control come down the California pipeline. It seemed like every six months or so, there was a new set of gun control bills that were winding their way through the legislature and would end up at the governor's desk. But the California landscape, political landscape, has changed. So back in the day, if you had a dozen gun control bills make it to the governor's desk, you didn't know if he was going to sign all of them none of them or just maybe a couple of them you weren't really sure what was going to happen but now that the democrats have a super majority in the california legislature and they have the democrats uh, one of the worst governors in the entire country and gavin newsom all the legislature has to do is simply 
write a gun control bill, sign it, doesn't matter what it is really, send it up to the governor's desk, and you're almost guaranteed that he's going to sign it. I mean, there was a point where I was wondering how much else could they possibly do in California without just outright banning firearms altogether? And they would come up with something new every single time, and that's what's happened here. It's sort of like death by a thousand paper cuts, right? So uh, we've had some more gun control go up to Gavin Newsom's desk, and of course he signed it. So let's talk about the two more important ones that he just recently signed on September 29th of 2020. So the two bills that we're going to be talking about today are going to be 2362 and 2847. I've mentioned both of these in videos in the past. They're both pretty significant because, again, they attack the Second Amendment in a way where they're not just outright banning firearms, but at the same time, they're making the Second Amendment almost impossible to practice in the state of California. The first one's going to be 2362. 2362 is a bill that Gavin, Gavin Newsom signed that essentially attacks small businesses. It attacks the FFLs. It attacks those shops that are trying to sell you the tools for your Second Amendment rights. Okay? It goes after them, it imposes fines, it imposes penalties over stupid little minute things that absolutely nobody cares about. But they need to come up with some new gun control, right? And so since they need to come up with some new gun control, let's go ahead and maybe take our focus away from the people who are buying them for a second, and let's go ahead and attack the people that are selling them. That's what this does. It attacks the people who are selling these products, and uh, it, it makes it so hard for them to do business in a state where it's already almost impossible to do business business in. So if you look at FFLs in the state of California, uh, they're not really making that much money. I can tell you, I can tell you that much. If they're not making much money at all. Uh, the markups are very low. The fees, the, the costs to actually operate in California are extremely high. The licenses, the renewals, the rent. I mean, you know what it costs to live in California, right? It's expensive. It's just as expensive to rent, you know, space for your business. And so they're already just, you know, kind of barely scraping by. But now the government comes in and says, you know what, we're going to make it even harder for you by imposing fines of like $3,000 for making a simple error that could just be a small clerical error that nobody ever paid attention to in the past. We're going to fine you $3,000. Well, guess what? That, there goes that month's profit. Well, I can tell you one thing. Nobody's going to stay in business if they're not making a profit. We wake up in the morning. We hustle. We try and work. We try and make money. That's what we do. We got to feed our kids. We got to pay our bills. We got to take care of our families. And if you running an FFL is not taking care of that, there's going to be people out there that are just going to simply close down and move on to something that's going to be, uh, you know, better for them in a financial sense. And so California has already made it so hard to operate, and this bill is going to make it that much more hard to operate because, again, it's going to eat at their profits and make it not worth it to own an FFL in the state of California. So, again, they're taking their attack on multiple angles trying to pretty much uh, stop everybody from being able to practice the Second Amendment in the state of California. Now, the next bill we're going to be talking about is AB 2847, and we've talked about 2847 extensively on this channel. 2847 will essentially decimate the handgun roster. Okay, so if you live in the state of California, you know what the roster is, right? It's a list of things that have been approved for you to buy that are deemed safe by the state of California. It's already a small list. It contains tons of duplicates. Uh, it is just, uh, you know, it's at, the roster is one of the worst things that, you, that you'll experience if you live in the state of California. But the uh, bill 2847 
on the surface, it looks like it's trying to ease regulations on the roster, when in reality, what it's going to do is it's going to decimate the roster. So you think there's very little things on there right now? You think it's pretty bad right now? Well, it's going to get worse now. So this is going to start taking effect, I believe, July 1st of 2022. And essentially what 2847 does is it uh, lowers the requirements for something new to be placed on the roster. So previously, something that would be placed on the roster would have to have micro stamping in three different areas. So on the primer, maybe the case, the case head, so forth, right? So somehow whatever was put on the roster would have to have a way in order to imprint those uh, serial numbers in those three different places. But now what they've done is they've lowered the, the requirements to only one place. So that could simply be a firing pin with a primer and it's gonna leave a stamp of that serial number on the primer. And as long as you have that, and the other features like uh, mag release stuff and you know a safety flag, chamber indicator, things like that. If, as long as you have those features, well, guess what? Now you can be on the roster. So people are thinking, okay, well, maybe there's going to be some new stuff on there. But here's the problem. Every time something new is added to the roster after July 1st of 2022, three things have to be taken off of the roster. That means that you have one new thing there, yippee, right? And then three other things now have to be removed. So let's say that they add something that you have absolutely no interest in. Let's say they add something that nobody has any interest in, right? But then they take away, I don't know, let's say Glocks, 17, 19, 26. Okay? They take those three models off. Guess what? Those are no longer available. You're not able to get them in the state of California. But you got this one with a stupid micro stamp on it that absolutely nobody wants. Guess what? Another gun comes on, right? They put that on the roster. Three more come off. That's three more. Let's say that they go after CZs. Take a few models of CZs off the roster. Now the two two of the most popular brands that are out there have now been essentially removed from the roster in the most popular caliber. That is what Gavin Newsom signed. So they are attacking small business. They are attacking the business owners. And at the same time, they're also attacking the Second Amendment rights of their citizens by, again, further limiting what they have access to. So, uh, like I was saying before, Gavin Newsom does not like the Second Amendment, and he will do whatever it takes to basically um, take the Second Amendment down to its basic core so that they still have a fight in the circuit courts, okay? So, obviously, there's going to be lawsuits because of all this stuff. You know, you have the Firearms Policy Coalition, you have uh, Calguns Foundation, you have the Firearms Policy Foundation, you have all these different places that are obviously going to be filing lawsuits about this stuff. But they can say that it doesn't necessarily uh, restrict people's Second Amendment rights because it doesn't take away their freedom to own something, okay? Not that you can't get the thing that you want, but it doesn't take away the core right. That's their argument all the time. That's not my argument. That's the argument that they actually use when they go to court. So they, they kind of work around the core of the Second Amendment to cut out everything else until basically one day you're going to be left with a musket. That's kind of where California's going with it. And they're going to say, well, uh, we haven't taken away the Second Amendment because you can still get your musket. You can still use black powder. Uh, that's that's where they're headed. That's basically what they're trying to get down to in the state of California. So, again, uh, these are bills that we've talked about in the past. They made it made it through the California legislature, in some cases fast-tracked, or they were bills that were gutted and amended. Uh, you could have a bill that starts off saying that uh, trash pickup is going to be every Thursday, uh, and we're going to make that a state-mandated thing. We're going to make it a law that every Thursday, that's when trash pickup is going to be. That bill makes its way into the legislature, it goes through committee, and then once it's through committee, they basically take out all of the language from that, rewrite it into a gun control bill, and then they send it up 
so it doesn't have to go back to the committee again. It is incredible what they've come up with in the state of California, and this is what they want for the entire country. Do not be fooled. If Democrats had their way, this is what would happen in the entire country. California is just the proving ground for this type of thing. So if you don't live there, still pay close attention. So uh, to all of you patriots who I know live in California, uh, and I know there's a lot of you out there, remember, the next election is coming up in 2022. Okay, that's going to be your chance to get out there in bigger numbers and actually do something about it. If you don't do something about it, you don't have the right to whine about it. Okay, you have to go out and you have to actually affect change. Uh, And if you go out there and you vote and things still happen, now you can go ahead and whine about it because you tried your best. So make sure you register, make sure you get out there, make sure you vote, make sure you support the Firearms Policy Coalition and any other pro-Second Amendment advocacy group that you want to because uh, they need all the help they can get to make sure that we can put out all these fires that are happening not only in California but across the country right now. So I want to thank you all very much for watching. Please like, subscribe. Have a great day. Okay, let's see. I think I have a couple more and probably have to do another backup. Um, I'm just really uh, kind of um, shocked that this is coming down. I really am. Chances are you may never have heard of a three percenter, and that's okay by them. They're a relatively new kind of militia group. They claim to have some 400 members in Minnesota, and they've divided the state up into seven zones in a kind of command control structure. They say they're ready to defend us in a coming civil war. The question is, who exactly do they plan on fighting? They've always hidden in plain sight. Those who believe one day our government will go too far. Are you still a member? I have no comment about that on camera. No comment? A world where grievances and guns... We will defend ourselves. ...go hand in hand. If there's no firearm serial number on there, it's it's uh, untraceable. Joshua Rader is a commanding officer in the United Patriots of Minnesota 3%, and one of the few willing to talk about the movement publicly. Everybody told me not to do this interview. But even he doesn't trust us. His brother will videotape our interview. What does the group stand for? Um, group stands for uh, pretty much protecting uh, protecting our community, protecting our gun rights, uh, protecting the Second Amendment, uh, Constitution. Um, you know, pretty, pretty straightforward stuff that you're used to hearing from Patriot groups, I guess. The name Three Percenters comes from the American Revolution, a belief long disputed that only 3% of the colonists took up arms against England. The 3%ers share ideological DNA with other right-wing extremist groups like the Posse Comitatus, the Oath Keepers, and Sovereign Citizens, and especially the militia and patriot movements of the last 20 years. 3%ers have also become very social media savvy, spreading their message and sharing pictures on Facebook. Uh, We have patriots out here from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Montana, Arizona, Utah, Nebraska, Kansas. They're they're from all over the place. Three percenters have regular training exercises around the country, like this one in Colorado. Preparations, they say, for natural disasters, a terror attack, or if everything... 
just goes to hell. I think their country is possibly headed in the direction of a civil war. The rap on patriot groups is that you're all a bunch of racists. I, I completely disagree with the, um, the white supremacist movement. I also disagree with the black supremacist movement. What about someone who espouses discriminatory beliefs about African Americans, about Muslims? Would you accept them into your group? We do not accept um, you know, hate-mongering type of people because that's not what we stand for. Joshua Rader says their members in Minnesota come from all walks of life, including law enforcement. But he also admits they've had a few bad apples. I run into nuts here and there. Definitely they come and try to join my group and you gotta weed them out right, right off the bat. <laughs> Obviously no one thought to check out Jason Thomas. Hi Jason, how are you? This is Jason Thomas and he was the leader of the three percenters in Minnesota until his home in Red Wing was raided by the FBI earlier this year. Simply to protect the civilian population both from man-made threats and natural threats. Is government a man-made threat? Um, yes, it is. Um, you know, historically, both in America and throughout the world, governments have uh, they've killed more citizens than war itself has. According to a previously sealed search warrant in the case, the FBI considers the Minnesota Three Percenters a militia group which believes in the violent resistance to or intended overthrow of the U.S. government. I'm not sure exactly why they're targeting us. I'm sure it's something to do with the ideology. Um, the, the group in general, yeah. But the FBI said it was also what Jason Thomas wrote on Facebook. Quote, I can guarantee you that I'll be one of the first to start killing feds, and I'm actually trying to build up our capacity to challenge them. I imagine you will say that you did not say those things the FBI thinks you said about killing federal agents or anything like that. You can't comment on that. You can't comment on that. There is a violent fringe within these movements that is persistent and has been persistently deadly. Michael German's a former FBI agent who's gone undercover in several other militia groups. He says 9-11 and Islamic extremism has overshadowed extremism on the far right. But if you exclude their signature events, 9-11 and the bombing of the federal building in Oklahoma City, according to Justice Department data, nearly twice as many people have died since 1990 from terrorism on the far right. The groups that I infiltrated uh, had a public face that they presented as benign, uh, when in fact, behind the scenes, we were manufacturing explosives and trafficking in illegal firearms. Unknown to the Minnesota Three Percenters, the FBI flipped one of their members, who became a paid confidential informant, telling the FBI the group was involved in manufacturing untraceable assault rifles, buying them in pieces what's known as an 80% lower. The reality of it is, is, is uh, it can be done relatively easy. The ATF, which is not involved in this investigation, showed us how someone can take a raw hunk of metal, drill it out, add a bolt, a hammer, a firing mechanism, and turn it into the receiver of an AR-15. This piece is not even a firearm at this point. Correct. But you mill out this piece, and then you get this. Right. And now you have a firearm. And because that lower part of the AR-15 is homemade, there is no serial number. But how traceable are these weapons if they don't have a serial number? If there's no firearm serial number on there, it's, it's uh, untraceable. The FBI says a member wrote to Thomas, if I can produce 80% lowers into a full weapon for four or $500, maybe we could hook up the loyal members. 
and those weapons would be perfectly legal to possess, as long as you don't have a criminal record. The problem for Jason Thomas is he's got a rap sheet. Did time 15 years ago for burglary and criminal mischief. I'm not aware of how me possessing firearms violates the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution. Well, because you have a felony, I don't think... By last year, other members had had enough of Jason Thomas, complaining on Facebook that the last four training events have been drunk fests. Saturday morning, there was broken beer bottles in my fire pit and puke in my yard. One guy slept in his car with no idea how he even got there. Members also began questioning Jason Thomas's alleged military background. I've had him personally say to me that he's in the 10th Mountain Division. He was an Afghanistan veteran. I know that's a flat-out lie. In fact, we checked. Jason Thomas doesn't have a military record. Something he admits. Um, were you a member of, of the Army? Were you an Army Ranger? You don't have any military service. And you never claimed to have any military service. His lies put people in danger. Uh, his, his putting us putting us in danger with the FBI, with the government. They see themselves as a militia, but they have more drama than reality show housewives. It's hard to tell if they're just peculiar misfits, a legitimate political movement, or some kind of domestic threat. Jason Thomas told us he still thinks about what happened 24 years ago with the raid of the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas. Martyrs, he believes, for a government that went too far. Ten years old, I watched my own eyes on live national TV as 30-some kids were burned alive in Waco, Texas. And they were surrounded by, you know, government agents. So I saw from my own eyes that, you know, right there on live TV that these things can't happen in your own country. Jason Thomas is currently charged in state court with being a felon in possession of a firearm the FBI would not comment on an active investigation. The three percenters elected a new state president just three days ago. He told me tonight they're in the process of cleaning house. For the Fox 9 Investigators, I'm Tom Light. No! Okay. Um, let me just see if there's anything else that... Um... I mean, there was a lot, and, um, I, one in Pasadena, California, um, you already heard the Biden and Harris want to get rid of the guns. Um, Minnesota militia group says it got cut off so I can't see what they said um, I'm, I'm just really shocked I didn't have any they they completely uh, slammed down um, Australia They took all the guns away from Australia's Australians. Well, that's all I'm going to do today. I hope you all have a nice evening. Bye-bye.